Economics is the study of human choice in the world we live. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By investigating faith in economics, we can learn how they lead to human flourishing. This is the Faith in Economics podcast, a presentation of the Gortney Institute at Ottawa University. Welcome to our show. I'm producer Jason Dawes, and here with me, we actually have quite a cast today, <laughs> is Dr. Russ McCullough, Dr. Levi Russell, Dr. Justin Clark, and our undergraduate student, Jacob Caudill. And yourself. I think you forgot. Did you say? She always says her name first. Oh, I messed that up. Okay. All right. Well, cool. All right. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, We've got some exciting news that we've been, I've been sitting on for a long time, and it's it's out now. The Gortney Institute is honored to have the Menard family donate $500,000 to the Gortney Institute for the addition of a, in large part, the professor of philosophy and ethics, who is our current Dr. Justin Clark in the room. And he's been on our podcast here in the last few weeks, and and we've done some programming. And so he was the person we had identified early that can do this position in what we think will be the best way possible and awesome in terms of what we can do for for students and and the university. And uh, the gift also helps us promote and continue some uh, student programs that we'll get into more detail in today. And so we are uh, blessed and honored to have uh, the Menard family donate to the types of things that we like to do, talking about uh, economics and faith, and now the addition of some specifics of philosophy that I would not know very well. We've got uh, Dr. Clark, PhD in philosophy, that can really help us inform our thoughts and how economics and philosophy can tie together and uh, lead to the human flourishing that we've been trying to investigate here with the Institute. So, Levi, do you got uh, anything else to kind of add on to that for now? Yeah, I think that it's, it's great that we're, you know, already, I guess, in a sense, expanding. Uh, you know, the, the Institute just started uh, really last year, and so it's great to have expansion to kind of make sure that we're, we're putting our best foot forward on all of our programs. And as far as the programs we are doing with the, the students here at Ottawa, we begin every semester with a, some kind of bigger event that we try to get as many students as we can uh, involved in and, and relatively low effort from them. It's more about bringing a new idea to their attention or something like that. New ideas, some food. And that too. Yeah. Some talk. Yeah, exactly. And so we've done, uh, we've done some documentary screenings, some more engaging type documentaries and we've also done some debates um, in those in that time slot at the beginning of the semester, and then we kind of follow that up with a uh, a book club where you know we kind of ask them to think a little bit more about the subject. And of course, we have a, a slightly smaller group in in the book clubs. We kind of ask them to kind of engage with the idea a little bit more and to get their head around it a little bit more. And and sometimes these are historical writings that are a little sure. tougher to chew on and, and yeah. um, so we, some we, different insights. The most recent book we've used was uh, Hayek's Road to Serfdom. And so we've, we, we're using that, uh, we've used that this semester in our book club. And uh, I think the students responded really well to it. We, we asked them to kind of uh, supplement their Yeah, I don't their mean any offense some, to our students, but I thought they responded really well. To they it. did. Like, yeah. our discussion was really great. Sure. I mean, we got into 
details that I wasn't even quite expecting. Uh, our Jacob Cottle, who's a first semester freshman or undergraduate scholar, was a part of that group. What did, what did you think, Jacob, of that of that book club? I thought it went really well. I really enjoyed the talk, and I thought I learned a lot from it. Um, a lot of the stuff about Europe I really didn't know, um, so it was really insightful for me. Yeah, so we, we asked the students to pick, pick a, a timely subject to apply the principles from uh, Road to Serfdom. And so when he mentions Europe, he's talking about Brexit and, and some of those recent events. To, yeah, we to had Venezuela, them. we had right. uh, even Trump-Ukraine uh, type yeah. of talk, just to kind of think about how these big issues were at least in some way reflected upon some of Hayek's work there. But So that, that was a neat way to kind of distill things. And then the last event for the semester is coming up here in a couple of weeks. And um, what we do there is we give the students even more reading to do for this last event. And we, we really kind of step, take a step back a little bit. And this is a chance for them to talk with each other over a day-long Socratic discussion event. And so we kind of provide some prompts and stuff like that. But it's really a, a discussion among the students that, that we more or less just facilitate. And also with the food <laughs> for that day. So, so Justin, open opening thoughts here of uh, officially getting this, uh, joining the team, and getting a new title, a new title for you. I I'm a big fan of new titles. So I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, really excited about that. But what I what I'm really excited about is joining the institute and continuing the dialogue that's been going on between myself and Russ and Levi. You know, we had that we ran a seminar last semester on the morality and economics of war. And then Levi and I had a debate earlier this semester on the morality and legalization of drugs and kind of trade-offs in both of those cases. And I think there's some really fruitful conversations um, that ought to be had between philosophers and economists because, you know, I mean, Russ will probably say something a little bit about this later, but economics can kind has gotten more and more quantitative and maybe can kind of disappear into a quantitative rabbit hole. And where I think of a philosopher can come in and ask some questions about value and morality that are maybe being presupposed by the economist when they do their uh, research. And similarly, you know, in a lot of philosoph philosophers, especially moral and political philosophy, you find them taking things like the GDP or the production of a a state for granted and that all we have to do is decide how it ought to be divvied up mm -hmm. rather than realizing that, you know, the way we structure production will inevitably alter what gets produced and therefore what we can distribute. So give our listeners a little bit on the, the, the war talk that we did. Cause I thought you brought up some, some awesome things just on some of the historical issues of how we view war and the morality of war. Just give, give, give a little thought about what kind of, you brought to the table, I think, the economists. I brought to the table a little bit on, uh, okay, the economics war, does it stimulate economic activity? We're building machines, or and uh, does that, you know, what kind of thing does that do? Um, but I think you brought up some interesting things on morals. So I think, I mean, from the economic standpoint, it's important to realize that what war is is really engineered kind of destruction in certain cases. So even when we are making technology, 
a lot of times we might be engaged in a gigantic broken window fallacy where yeah. we are breaking windows and then building these giant machines to go and fix windows that we break or that and we talked about that broken window fallacy in that discussion, I think. Right? Yeah, that was yeah, the very it. first reading. Yeah, it was, um, it was awesome, yeah. yeah. But the other thing that we need to consider when, you know, when we're doing the moral calculus of when we ought to invade or even defend, you know, our interests is what value we ought to give to innocent lives on the other side. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. problem, the moral problem, is that all too often we assign those lives values of zero, which seems grossly immoral. Granted, any state, if it is going to defend its citizens, has to make very rough decisions sometimes. But if you want to make those decisions in the moral calculus, you have to give the lives of innocent people some weight. Yeah. We can argue about what weight you have to give them, but you need to take them into account. And I think you looked, if I remember right, you kind of looked at that empirically like we can say that we're not going to kill innocents but if you look at any conflict there's always going to be a fraction of innocents that are killed or that that, that can be anyway an empirical question i can't remember if i'm reading too much into that or maybe it's just something i brought up but yeah and i think this is one of the areas where i think the left and right could really come together because you can, you can look at administrations that are republican democratic you know especially the rise of drone strikes during the Obama oh, yeah. administration was really alarming. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we looked all the way back to things like the My Lai massacre. And Let, let's talk about the broken window fallacy just briefly anyway. So since, since we brought it up and I think it's worth uh, repeating, we might've talked about it even in a different episode, but uh, young punk breaks a window People look at it, uh, other people say, well, at least, uh, at least the window fixer, the window glazer is going to have a job. And, and then, of course, then they're going to go spend that money to get a new coat. And then they're going to spend that money. And so, wow, the broken window actually generated economic income. And so maybe we should uh, laud the young punk up that he's helping stimulate economic growth through the broken window, that economic activity's been created. And so... The fallacy is that the shop owner who got the broken window now has to pay $75 for the window to be fixed, and that's $75 of a suit coat that he could not buy that he would have. And so the fallacy is that we're not looking at the things that would have been done with the $75. He still would have had a fixed window because it never would have been broken, and he would have spent the money on the coat. Yeah, so there's actually a... What Bastiat calls focusing on the seen versus the unseen, yes. right? What we don't see is the coat that uh, the shopkeeper would have had. Right. And furthermore, you can run a reductio ad absurdum argument. Oh, there we go. I love it. Big uh, words flying right over the top of my head. And this, this kind of argument says, all right, well, let's accept that your premises are true and just run with it. And if it ends in absurdity, then we know ah. the premise must be false. Okay. So if the premise is, uh, well... If we destroy something, then the act of repairing it stimulates the economy. Therefore, the destruction was good for the economy. Well, great. Let's not stop with the shopkeeper's window. Let's destroy the shop. Let's all <laughs> destroy all of our things. Let it all burn. And then imagine how wealthy we'll all be. And that seems insane. So there's got to be a problem in the reasoning somewhere. Right. Well, Jason, you've been at all of our big events, I think, haven't you? Yeah. I'm curious what your favorite was. So we had... Uh, the Poverty Inc. movie that we did that kind of addressed whether 
large corporations giving, uh, or not corporations, large corporations that are essentially running nonprofit organizations with gifts coming from rich countries to poor countries has been effective or not. And their argument is that largely not of uh, teach a man to fish or give a man a fish. The, the giving model hasn't worked so well in terms of economic development. So that was one was Poverty Inc. And then uh, what was our other, our other movie was with uh, Arthur Brooks, right? Levi yeah. So we were, we were one of the first um, locations. We were one of, I think four or five locations across the entirety of North America to show a, a documentary by uh, Arthur Brooks, uh, former president of the American Enterprise Institute. We showed their documentary, The Pursuit. Um, and so it was, it, was, it was kind of, you know, Arthur Brooks talking about, you know, some of the issues that he's interested in lately. And I think it's, it was kind of a, it really was sort of an updated version of Poverty, Inc. Poverty, Inc. is about seven years old now. So it was, you know, really looking at the developed world or the developing world and, you know, ways for us in, in developed countries to help them without, you know, getting in their way. And he's big on kind of human dignity and um, right, right. how that. Yeah. He's a, he's an artsy guy. I mean, he was a, he was a, a French, French horn, horn player yeah. and, and all of that. So he wasn't, um, you know, this wasn't, uh, you know, Poverty Inc. was just, you know, stuffy economists like you and me talking the whole time. Uh, but this yeah. time it was a guy who's has a little bit of a different spin on things. So it was, yeah. it was a really good doc. I think, I think the students really responded well to it. I think they enjoyed it. And then we had our two debates. One you mentioned was the legalization of drugs. Should we do it? Should we not? And then our previous debate to that was the buy local. So yeah. uh, Levi and I debated on whether the buy local campaign is a good thing or not a good yeah. thing, which we, to each event we drew, we've been drawing at, at least 100 students usually, 100 to 130 yeah. has been kind right. of our sweet spot on these larger events that we like to kind of get a big draw on. And, and in the context, that's, you know, a fifth of the campus roughly. Right, right, campus. good point. Yes, that's a, <laughs> that's a large fraction here at our main campus at Ottawa University, which we have about uh, 750 students at. And so, yeah, for us to draw 100, 130 students, there is jealousy among other groups that we're able to do that. Now, granted, we're economists and we have a small incentive hung out for our students in the form of extra credit. But nonetheless, the discussions that I see we have in there and, and the comments and feedback that we get back, I think students have really uh, gotten something out of those. So, um, so am I missing any of them? I did a Lego movie a long time ago. That was really before the Institute. Yeah. You were there though yeah, for that, that right? Was yeah, that was I, I think that was prior to me really developing the Institute, but that's kind of where the, the movie night concept came from. So I think there was one discussion group that was the one where uh, that you sat in on yeah another in, colloquium yeah, yeah. yeah on uh, with the with the small group that was on religious freedom yes yes right. yeah and that was that was a great discussion too and we had a good group and and the one coming got uh, we're reading some marks and I just finished the rest of the communist manifesto today and and I'm kind of excited about that I'm really glad that we're going to have students read marks and then we're going to read Hayek and I know who wins. So it's kind of fun that way. But at least I think it's awesome if we have students who can say, I've read Karl Marx, right? So at least they have something to say instead of just shooting in the wind if all they listen to is Rush Limbaugh and, and other one-sided media all the time. I think it's all the more, it, it doesn't carry as much weight as 
somebody who's taken a more balanced approach. And that's what we're really trying to do at the Institute is to get students to critically think about both sides of the issue, tackle the one that is the biggest. And so I thought with marks being thrown around in different ways and shapes or forms, that, that would be important. So it's about time to go to the break, but I asked Jason a question and I didn't <laughs> want to leave it hanging until the end of the break. So well, Jason, what was your, what was your favorite? So I, I do really like the Poverty and Can Pursuit movies. It really does make you think, I mean, Tom Shoes is the best example that they mm -hmm. give because it's so well known. But, and it goes back to what Justin said uh, earlier, the scene and the unseen. So you see somebody without shoes, so you give them a pair of free shoes, but you don't see the guy who would have sold the shoes and is now out of business. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really enjoy those, those videos a lot, but I think the debates are my favorite. Right. I, and of I've course she's biased since she's some sort of national champion <laughs> debater, but uh but it's it's amazing how many students get up and ask questions during yeah, the audience Q and A. I I mean I've never seen that many people ask questions in a classroom. Yeah. And that's kind of more yeah. forced upon you than I feel the debate is. And I, I hope that's a reflection that we're building momentum, that they understand that we are open for that discussion for real. Like if you stand up and ask a question, you sh shouldn't feel uh, inhibited to do that. So I, I really felt like we've been getting more questions that way of students coming up. Uh, they're starting to know Levi is a professor here now that he's been here a little over a year. I've been here uh, nine years, so uh, all of them have seen me in different ways, at least the business students. And then, and then also with Justin, and, and Justin was in that debate. And so with his philosophy classes, uh, there's a decent handful of students that already have maybe a comfort level that way. So I hope we continue to do that because that's what uh, open discussion and speech is all about. So, okay, now I didn't I didn't quite hear a full answer. You like the debates, but which one did you like better? Oh, the gosh, drugs which or debate? the or the local? Think local or by local debate or the drug debate? I I guess I'd have to go with the drug debate just because because I did the announcing, right? Where I yes, did the wrestling thing at the beginning. Yes. We, had, we, had, we had learned from the first debate, I think, on building up the drama. <laughs> so, yes. I think you're right. It was a little more formal. We had more hands helping out, too. And mm -hmm. so I think that went well. And so we do have a video of that debate, listeners, uh, that we'll put a link to in the show notes. We were able to capture a recording of that debate, so you can go check that out on our on our website. So, just to say one thing about those debates. One of the things that I think is the great about them is that we aren't bringing in two people who don't know each other and therefore might you know kind of not like each other having the debates. Mm. You know, the ones that we've had so far, the students know that like we're we all like each other, and yet we still can disagree about an issue mm -hmm. right. um, and yeah. be friends at the end. You know, and they can see us shake hands and they know we're even though we're on different sides of an issue yeah. we're engaging each other with good in good faith in good faith and know how to do it and, and that's funny how many students come up did you guys really disagree on this yeah. we get that all <laughs> I the time didn't even believe it. And, yeah. and, and for the most part we did have you know some disagreements that were that were in in there so they they are there is that reality and so yeah i think that is a well and a students change their minds too we actually measured whether or not yeah you know, what what each individual person thought beforehand and after. Yeah, go ahead and explain how we're measuring that. I think that's an interesting thing. We yeah, do. so what we're doing is we're doing a, an not online... That, not that we invented it, but... Anyway. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's... it's um, 
can't remember the, the university that does this, but you, we basically use a poll to figure out, so we get their, their information, you know, their name or whatever, and then whether or not they agree with the resolution. So on their phones, they come in and say, I agree or disagree with one side or the other as right. they come in the door, yeah. not having researched or heard anything just other than the title of should we all have then, drugs legalized or not. Right. And then when they leave, they, you know, after, after the, the event, they vote again and they're supposed to tell us, you know, what they think about the resolution now. And so after that, I download all those, all the data and, and come up with who changed more minds and, uh, and that's who that we decides our winner. Yeah. yeah. And so. so actually just for the record, uh, uh, Dr. Russell won this last debate and apparently our, he put up a big enough case that uh, at least some drugs should be, I think was kind of your angle you went on yeah. it. If you believe that it, even one drug should not be legal, then you have to agree with me. I can't yep. remember one of your summary statements, yep. uh, even though despite a lot yeah, of... He, he had an uphill. He had a very uphill. Oh, very uphill. Very now. steep yeah. hill. Yeah. So we can have a scene and unseen, you know what I mean? They saw us act nicely to each other, but they didn't see me key your car up. All right. With that, we'll head into our break, and, and afterwards we'll come back and talk about a, an important development that Justin's going to be working on with a philosophy, politics, and economics major, a brand-new major that we're going to have. Uh, we'll let you know what that's all about after the break. By 2030, the Gortney Institute will be known for its alumni, supporters, and participants who incorporate economic understanding with their faith and their careers, vocations, communities, and personal lives. The Institute will be a nationally recognized source for knowledge and contributions to student experience, society's understanding of private and public solutions to poverty, and the overlap of markets, governance, and faith. Young audiences will look to the Institute for challenging and engaging education on faith and economics. If you enjoy our podcast and want to support our work, please consider a one-time or recurring donation. Please visit donate.123povertysucks.org. Don't forget to check out our show notes for this episode at podcast.123povertysucks.org. Okay, so we're back talking about the uh, things that we're going to be able to do, empowering students and empowering professors to work with students with the uh, Menard grant. And thought this would be a great time to get into more details about this philosophy, politics, and economics major, um, which will be part of what uh, Justin will be working on right away. He's working on it currently even. So, Justin? Yeah, I'm very excited about the development of the PPE major, PPE being the shorthand for... The cool, um, what the cool people say, once you're in the know. Yeah. Well, I certainly wouldn't describe myself as a cool person. <laughs> <laughs> I think you give that up when they hand you your PhD. That's true. <laughs> Not me, I'm a rogue. <laughs> so I'm really excited about a 
PPE major because as I was kind of hinting at earlier, I don't think e any of these three fields are best understood in isolation. Mm. And I think no. each of these fields can really shine some light on some of the others. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. Like with the economics, part of this Courtney Institute and that was that I felt like that was a missing part. Like this whole podcast, faith and economics, that the morality part or whatever is, is kind of a missing part, kind of a niche that we can fill. And so I think this furthers that, at least from the economic side, like you're saying. And Definitely. True and, about the other ones. You know, the, I mean, the great classical economists didn't call themselves economists, right? They called themselves philosophers and they, mm -hmm. they were philosophers. And so this is a major that's, been deployed at a few places around the United States. I think we're the, I think the only one in Kansas who's going to have that. That could be. I don't know about major. that one. Uh, Duke University kind of has led for a while. They some economists that I know there. I don't know them that well, but I know they started it a while back, and it's been pretty successful. Yeah. And Duke and UNC Chapel Hill have okay. a great program, which is I think one of the flagship ones in the U.S. Mm -hmm. It's also very, uh, very popular major at the London School of Economics. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very popular major for people who go into British politics. Hmm. And, okay. So, and it, it's a great way for people who are interested in politics. You know, the rub is usually that, oh, that, they don't even, that politician doesn't even know economics. So that if we could train people that are interested that get this overlap, uh, how much better would the world be? Yeah. And um, <laughs> if you are going to learn economic theory, it would be really useful to understand some philosophy about what terms like value, where, where does that term come from and how is it fitting into our mm -hmm. uh, you know, subjective, subjective valuations of, of goods? And then secondly, some history and political theory to understand how your economic theories, when they have been applied in the real world. And mm -hmm. it really makes you a much better arguer. Now we don't have a philosophy major at uh, Ottawa University but I'm really glad to have a major that has a really strong philosophy component to it. Right. And like I said earlier, I think philosophy is best when you learn some philosophy and then apply it to a problem, which mm -hmm. is what I think this major kind of the angle that you're doing. Yeah. Talk about the courses that you're developing within the major, kind of the, maybe the new ones or some of the existing ones. Sure. So right now um, we teach, Basic Issues in Philosophy, which is just kind of an intro-level philosophy course. And we have Ethics and Society, which is... Uh, so this is like, I think, therefore I am. Uh, is that intro to philosophy? We, we cover <laughs> Descartes, Cogito. You see how I simplify these? I like to distill things down to the one thing I remember from my intro <laughs> to philosophy. <laughs> yeah, so in Basic Issues in Philosophy, we're trying to introduce students to kind of the big, a couple of the big problems in philosophy. So in that class, we focus mostly on the relation between the mind and the body and the brain and the mind and issues in free will. And then uh, how those answers, depending on what stance you take on free will, that actually might constrain the kinds of views you can have about acceptable theories of punishment and how you want to order society. So we finish up basic issues in philosophy with a very brief section on politics. But the, one of the courses I'm developing is a political philosophy standalone course, which basic issues will be a requirement for it, a prerequisite. But that is going to be a, you know, a semester-long introduction to, from ancient sources all the way up to current day to 
how philosophers reason about the way we ought to order society. Cool. And so that's what I'm working on. And then, you know, our ethics in society class focuses on, you know, some hot button issues at the end of the semester, like abortion, the death penalty, organ lotteries, things like that. Ooh, organ lotteries. Yeah. How about yeah. organ sales, uh, organ markets? Uh, yeah, which is tied to the lottery yeah, uh, type thing. That's yeah. a whole other episode I'd love to Okay, have, yeah, so. I think that'll be forthcoming for yeah. sure. So talk about your capstone <clears throat> project, I think, maybe to wrap up this PPE little overview. So at Ottawa, in different majors, there's often a capstone course in which the students are asked to kind of bring all their knowledge together. Uh, so what I have in mind for the PPE major is I want the students to take an event in history where event is used a little bit uh, loosely. It could mean something like the, uh, the fall of apartheid in South Africa or the labor movement in the United States in you know, the 1920s or something like that. But what we want, what we're going to ask them to do is to write a political economic examination of that uh, situation. So what we want is an economic and political analysis of why the things developed in the way in which they did. Yeah. So a kind I of, mean, that's just some awesome stuff that our graduates could come away from and just have a very worldly view of tackling a global environment. Is what yeah, exactly. have to take some, you know, to apply quantitative work to a real world problem and put forward a thesis that you're going to argue for in a way in which it ought to be compelling. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, so we have two graduate assistants, uh, Jacob and Jason, and Jason's here. Jacob couldn't make it today. And I thought um, it'd be nice to have you talk to how you support the Institute and kind of the things that you do. Yeah, so some of the things that I do, I do the editing for the podcast, or the producing. <laughs> I, I like the title a little better. Producing. <laughs> Write a couple articles, and we do the social media aspects, so we share things that we see other institutes or other economic people share, so we pass that along. Yeah, so if you listeners, if you're on Twitter, if you um, you can go to at one two three poverty sucks is our Twitter handle, and we uh, don't mind being secondhand dealers of content. And so Jason and Jacob both do postings on our social media, digging up maybe some interesting videos or insights or other publications, um, and then also advertising some of our writings that we do on our internal blog as well. So yeah, and then another thing that we do we look for high school teachers or that we know or that would be a good fit with the institute so that way Russ can go do some fun activities at the school or invite them to things here uh, so we're getting an early start on some of those. Things. Yeah absolutely and this is something that we've been chipping away at we found it a little more difficult than we were hoping but certainly one of my objectives with the Gordon Institute was to be a recruiting arm for the business school and so we thought one angle is for us to have high schoolers have some experiences. Levi's currently working on, talk about your fee event a little bit where high schoolers might come and we can expose them some, to some of these ideas and things that we feel important. Yeah, so, so uh, the Foundation for Economic Education in Atlanta, Georgia, um, in the past had a two or three day long seminar uh, series, interactive seminar series for students. And they've actually, they, they've just quit doing that this past year. And they're kind of doing a, a shorter frame, shorter time frame 
a slightly different model that I don't, I don't know too much about yet, but the main idea is to kind of give high school students an opportunity to learn um, economic concepts really in a hands-on type of manner. And so they, they will um, work with people, the, the speakers that they have, as part of their network, and they will uh, send them to different locations. And we'd be hosting for, an event. Yeah, so we, we would be hosting one here with the idea that getting the students comfortable with Ottawa and, and getting them to see the campus and, and uh, see the Gorton Institute and what we do as well. Yeah. So, Jacob, uh, I was hoping you can kind of make some comments here as we close out the show on uh, things related to a brand new undergraduate coming to school. What are, what are some things on, on your radar as far as what you think about the Institute? Well, it's really allowed me to expand my knowledge on economics and with the book clubs that we have started uh, for this semester, I've really been able to pay attention to political events going on a lot more because uh, before coming here, I really didn't look at politics or anything going on in the world. I was more just focused on getting schoolwork done. You know, well, and I, I just, uh, since I'm your teacher, I can correct you. I, not so much political per se events, right? right? But economic events. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't, it's not necessarily something that happened in the political realm, but yeah. rather real world things mm-hmm. that impact how people um, organize and exchange with each other and businesses and and uh, some of these current events, which are certainly can become political when there's policy changes. And, right. But uh, yeah, and applying to some current events is, is certainly something we we hope we can continue to uh, get people thinking about. Because my experience has been the undergrads come here and I'll mention a current event and it might be huge. I can't remember, I, you know, pick anything that probably most of you listeners, if you you know listen to the, the new show, one major event. And I'll say, oh, have you guys heard about this event? And it's crickets. Like, it's just amazing. So, And I think it's a reflection of our society that we tend to listen to the media, listen to our shows, listen to watch our Netflix. I mean, you can stay very siloed. And I think that's what we tend to see is uh, students uh, being that way. Frankly, I'm all about freedom. They're free to stay that way. But I don't think that's who we're trying to shape here at Ottawa University. We, we hope that our, our tagline for the university in general is that uh, we hope students leave here and live a life of significance. It's really significance how they define it, but uh, more self-actualized students that kind of know their place in the world, know their place before God or not before God, but at least they've thought about that type of thing uh, with faith in their lives and all the interactions that we have with people. So any last closing comments from anybody? Is that a good place to, I think we're good. to part? Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, I appreciate you all listening today. And if you feel so inclined, if you could like us on your podcast app and just set it up to be a regular download, that helps us climb the rankings and helps other people find us. If you feel so inclined, we have a giving page at GortonInstitute.org. Um, and there's uh, opportunity there to do that. Otherwise, we really appreciate you listening, and if you can pass the word along to your friends, that would be great. Otherwise, be fruitful and multiply. Thanks.